Hi, everyone. We're here with John Edwards today, who is the founder of Just a Guy in the Pew Ministries, which basically, uh, John, correct me if I'm wrong, helps men on their journey towards Christ through accompaniment, speaking, and an honest kind of no-nonsense podcast, real conversation. So, John, thanks for making time for us. Oh, man, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Justin. I, I love to uh, be here with you and to get to talk about whatever the Lord uh, wants us to talk about tonight. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, you know, I'd seen your face floating around men's ministry flyers and things. And then we got to meet at the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance Summit this summer. Mm -hmm. But yep. um, really to see what you're doing, because so Dan and I are both diocesan guys. We work at chanceries. We try to help parishes. But, you know, how has the Holy Spirit worked in your life? to call you to what you're doing today. What is just a guy in the pew and how, how to get here? Sure, man. Well, honestly, it started out as a podcast. Um, just, you know, it's a long story, but you know, I was born and raised Baptist and was Baptist until I was 18, walked away from my faith when I went to college and had a father wound and other things there that I didn't really, uh, understand at the time. So I was seeking a lot of affirmation and community and things I didn't get from my, you know, from my father growing up, not a lot. I love yous. I'm proud of you, that kind of thing. And so it, it led me to sort of do whatever anybody wanted to fit in. And so, man, I made the mistake of joining a fraternity and started to drink a lot, started doing I did a lot of a frat drugs. Too, so we'll talk about frats. I'm maybe, but yeah, I was a frat boy at one time in my life. There you go. There you go. Uh, but yeah, so I got into a lot of that and man, just started experimenting with a lot of drugs. I was working for a company from the time I was 16 till, you know, in the middle of college at this time and, and was making good money, man. It, you know, just was a warehouse manager or something making 35 grand a year, which was like a million dollars to a college kid with no bills. And, and so I had money, people knew I had money and where I thought I had friends, I really was a, uh, an avenue to, for people to, to get what they wanted and things like that. So, but I wanted, like I said, to be included. So I did a lot of drugs and things like that. And unfortunately, I made the mistake of doing cocaine one night. And it followed me for 17 years of my life. I was addicted to it. And even though I was, you know, rising in my job, I became a, a salesman. And in fact, a salesman of the year for a Fortune 250 company. Um, I dropped out of college and, and just continued on this path. But the whole time, man, I was just like a broken mess. I mean, mm -hmm. I, everybody thought I had the tiger by the tail, man. I had a car and plenty of money and a nice house and, you know, girlfriends and all that kind of stuff. But I was a broken mess. I was an addict, you know, I had an addiction to cocaine and was drinking all the time. I could go to work and function, you yeah. know, during the hours to, to be able to provide for that lifestyle. But, um, and even through my marriage, when I met my wife, Angela, and, you know, I thought things were going to change. They didn't. And when I had our children, they didn't. And, uh, you know, back in 2016 on Holy Thursday during Holy week, I was arrested. Uh, picking up uh, cocaine from the dealer I bought from and went to jail that night. And uh, it was on the verge of losing everything that I held dear in my life, my wife, my kids, my job, my reputation, all of these things. And um, pretty quickly, everybody found out about it. Uh, my wife's an angel. She she decided to stay with me, not because of me, but the vow she made mm -hmm. to God in the church. And in that jail cell, man, I just really hit rock bottom. And realized that I had lied so much that I didn't even know who I was anymore and had walked away from the faith. And the day that I did, that's what, when I got into all this mess. So Jesus came and we had a real conversation in the jail cell that day. And he told me I could be different. I told him I wanted to be uh, the husband and father that I always should have been. And if he'd give me that opportunity, I'd give him my life. And I didn't even really remember what that meant or how to do it at the time, but I knew I meant it when I said it. And 
you know, long story short, my wife and I stayed together. There's a whole bunch of stuff. If people want to mm. check it out, they can go check out the YouTube videos and stuff on our website and other shows I've been on. But uh, long and short of it, I spent the next year um, trying to convince my wife I was going to be different. Um, I went back to my Protestant roots as, as far as scripture goes. I became mm-hmm. Catholic when I married my wife, so that's why I was mm-hmm. Catholic. But hadn't really been Catholic for 11 years, but um, got into the Word that night and then continually for about a year was in Scripture every night praying. I, I started reading Father Larry Richards' books and about 70 other Catholic books and started to feel like I was understanding what it meant to be a man. And about a year later, I went to a men's conference and a guy from my parish was there had gone to confession and saw him that night in an event and he was kind of going nuts. He, he was telling everybody he'd gone to confession and kind of sharing some things he probably shouldn't have in a room full of women and children, but, mm. but he didn't understand what was going on with him. And I said, man, you've been to confession for the first time in 16 years. You've had an encounter with the Holy spirit. Yeah. So he didn't know what that meant. He said, I'm cradle Catholic. I know God. I know Jesus. I don't know much about the spirit. He asked me to go to dinner and tell him about it. So I, I, I felt very ill-equipped and the devil, kind of told me I was not the right person again and again, but I went and met with him and shared what I knew about the Holy Spirit. And he suggested we start a men's group. And so we did in my parish and I walked in a room full of men who had no idea why they were called in there that night and very vulnerably and very explicitly shared all the mistakes I'd made in my life. And those men stood up and shared what the ones that they had made in their life and how they yeah. needed somebody and they were broken too. And so we started a men's group and out of that, a deacon here in Memphis who has a radio show on uh, EWTN, Deacon Jeff Drzymski, it's the Catholic Cafe. He was in a Crescio group with me, and he was hearing about all these amazing things that were happening with men and how they were changing their lives in this group. And he said, you should you know, you, you should have a podcast. I said, I, I don't have any idea how to do that. And mm-hmm. He said, well, I do. I've had one for 10 years, and I think you should do one. And so he asked me to, and we called it Just a Guy in the Pew. That was because – when I started lecturing at my church and getting involved in the church, I'm six foot eight. So I would block the ambo and a lot of older men and women on daily masses would walk up and say, young man, are you in the seminary or the, the they always, every, every time, right? It's like, yep. you can't just be a guy in the pew. <laughs> That's right. I was a single youth minister for a few years. Believe yeah. me, everyone's like, Oh, here he's going in the seminary. Yep. That's right. So that's what I, when they would come up and, and tap me on the shoulder and ask me those questions, I'd say, no, I'm just a guy on the pew. I'm just so, a guy on the pew. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Amen. So when he asked me what I'd call it, I said that, and we just started, we had learned so much, you know, in that vulnerability, men in our groups were just sharing and, you know, it was real. We built a place without knowing it. The Lord built it through us with our yes. And you're and just really a dude a, trying to be Catholic. You're just trying to live right. the faith, right? I'm like, this, I'm messed I mean, up. this is not this should up. not yeah. be atypical. This is just <laughs> what we do. We're Catholics. We're trying. Right. And yeah. I was tired of being alone and I was tired of having no friends. And I was tired of yeah, man, honestly, Justin, I was tired of putting mask on everywhere I went. Like if I went to work, I was this guy. If I went to the bar of my dude, buddies, I, I was ask this you, guy. I was you've yeah. read Walled at Heart, haven't you? Because everything you're saying reminds me of that. I have not. Honestly, what? people have told me to oh a million times. Gosh, I never man. have. Yeah, that that I mean, a lot of Catholic guys, even Father Don Calloway, who's who yeah. I've had the pleasure of interviewing before, but I know you have as well. He sure he's a big wild at heart fan. He uses it in um even um I believe retreats with sure. um, discerners and seminarians. So I need to some point. Everybody's told me I need to, but no, this is all just coming from the heart and what happened, man. And so we just we started going, you know what? We got this podcast. What the heck are we going to talk about? Well, let's talk about what our guys are talking about. They're not giving in to, you know, giving up confidentiality, but just like, okay, last week we talked about porn. This week, you know, next, the week yeah. before that, we talked about anger. 
you know, we talked about this. And so we just started researching those things and then getting in the Bible and going, man, what does the Lord say about this? And yeah, and just started talking and sharing from our own mistakes. And man, guys just started really enjoying it and saying, man, this is different because you guys aren't afraid to, to say you're broken. You're not speaking from a soapbox down to us. Yeah, and it's you're just literally, real. It's not a yeah. theological speak. It's just yeah. real, real yeah. life stuff. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, I love that, you know, I asked you how it got started. You just went there. You're honest. You know, I knew, you know, first conversation I met you, you're just, you, you're real. And it's just so refreshing. And um, so how did, so it happened very organically, you know, this focus on men, huh? It wasn't like you mm -hmm. made a strategic plan or anything, but you just were sure. called right away to just help guys like you, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, there really wasn't some grand scheme where I was like, you know what, I'm going to get a podcast <laughs> and then I'm going to, I'm going to speak to people. Like, in fact, yeah. The whole yeah. reason I ever spoke to anybody in the first place is because that group started getting a lot of recognition in the diocese. You know, people, we had non-Protestants. organically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Non-Protestants became Catholic in the first year. And Jeez. they're like, how do you catechize the people? And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. We're just yeah. talking to them about Jesus. We're and, just helping them. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so some men in the diocese, there's a men's organization here that ran the conference, uh, mm -hmm. Fishers of Men. And they heard yeah. about it and they asked me to consider <laughs> sharing my witness story. And so I did. Uh, got up in front of a thousand men, knees were shaking. I felt like I was going to vomit like the entire time. And, but I got up there, my wife showed up, my dad was yeah. there and I, and I poured my heart out. And, uh, there was a guy there that, uh, owned Cardinal Studios, still does, uh, Chris Cope. And he asked me, uh, if I was interested in maybe coming and selling some of the programs he had, like Chris Stefanik's Rise and, uh, Matt Frad's Strive. And so I went and did that and started really talking to parishes and, as I would talk to them about the programs, they'd say, like, man, you're really passionate about this. Why is that? And I'd say, well, let me tell you what, let me uh, tell you what happened in my people. life. Yeah. And also, right. just, why, yeah. you know, it's funny. Um, so, um, I was just living in Texas for almost three years and yeah. we focused a lot on men's ministry, but it was funny because one of the guys on the core team was, was explaining to the other guy, Hey, we can really help y'all start a men's group. And this guy was like, this guy's been around ministry. Well, but he was like, what's in it for you? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah just helping people get to that's heaven, all it's about you man. know just helping people get their life yeah. together here so they can rejoice in the next life as well right i right. mean it's mm -hmm. yeah and you look at your life man like i honestly when people ask me that question like why do you do this it, yeah. it's you know i feel the the scripture like it's in my bones right jeremiah yeah. and, or paul like woe to me if i don't preach the gospel because when you've yeah. been to a place like I have, man, like where you're in jail and you're on the verge of losing everything. And you're in a 17-year yep. addiction where you've wanted to tell everybody for so long, but you're so afraid of what you're going to lose. And it's it really is a hell on earth. Addiction is terrible, terrible things. Yeah, You know, I don't care what kind of addiction you have. If you have an addiction to something, it's horrible. And when you've been in that sort of place and, and the Lord brings you out of it, yeah. there's just this desire, at least it was in me, to say like, I don't ever want anybody else to have to go through that. And if they're there, I want to be part of helping them get out of it. Or if they're on their way there, I want to be part of the of the reason somebody jumps in front of them and says, "No, this is gonna, this is not the way that you want to go." And and so when I gave the Lord my yes, I didn't know that all this stuff was going to happen. That I'd be traveling the country and speaking. I I thought I was going to retire from Napa Auto Parts like my father did, mm -hmm. selling auto parts for forty five years. I already had twenty three years in when I quit. Wow. And and you know the Lord just called me to work for Chris and then worked yeah. for him for a year. And then that sort of, you know, they went a different direction to start marketing apostolates. Didn't need me really to do that. And 
So my wife came to me again and said, why don't you start that nonprofit you've been talking about? We already had the podcast and we're speaking, yeah. but I, I really wanted a nonprofit and to give all that money back to God, you know, and, 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 you know, if he let us support ourselves through it, it'd be great. But, yeah. um, so we started doing the podcast I started speaking and really just pouring our hearts out. And, and it's been great. We put together a narrow road program that's based on virtue and, help guys go through a different virtue every month. People could subscribe to that and be part of our community. But, you know, here recently, um, you know, I really have felt a call to, to really what I think the Lord wants of us. And, you know, when you get all this stuff going, the podcast stuff and all that, it's all great stuff, but it, it yeah. can, the devil's in a lot of that stuff too, man. And he can come after you and say, Oh, you could do this and you can be this and, yep. and, and really Make start about enticing you. you. Yeah, yeah, make it about make you, it make it about you. fame, yeah. all that stuff. And that's never what I got into this. What I want to do and what I think that the Lord has gifted me to be able to do is to go and to go into parishes and train leaders to to start groups and then help parishes start them. Like I whenever I pray, like the Lord just keeps showing me St. Paul. And in fact, we made him the patron of our ministry like two weeks ago, uh, just because I was getting this from all kind of different people. Just Paul, 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 Paul. And that's what I was feeling inside is like. Man, Paul went to went places and started communities of faith, mm -hmm. right? And there was it wasn't about him; it was just about going and teaching people, and then encouraging them, walking with them. Sometimes, in Paul's case, chastising them, mm -hmm. but but like just walking with them and building fruit that lasts, right? It wasn't about mm -hmm. Paul coming in and giving some you know amazing talk that we're going to set people on fire and then leaving them with nothing. And yeah, and so that's how I want this ministry to be different is. You know, I don't want to go in and, and, and give a talk and send people up a roller coaster. They have that yep. spiritual high for a couple of days and they come crashing yep. back down because there's nothing there to keep them going. So what we're trying to do now really is contact parishes and dioceses. And we go in and give a three talk mission all about yep. restoring your identity yep. and then and then train leaders. And it's not a, a ministry in a box with a bunch of DVD sets you got to buy. It's it's really about like, how do we train leaders? How do we help the pastor do something he wants to, but he doesn't have the time to do himself? And and how do we make it last? Yeah. So, um, you know, funny you, you use that word last. So when I was leaving the previous position I was in, I was like, Lord, you know, have I done what you wanted me to do? And uh, the verse that kept hitting me was fruit that will last. And mm -hmm. and it hit me that when I looked at the the org chart of the teams I was leaving, that's the fruit that lasts. It's actually investing in people. And mm -hmm. what I've seen in for any ministry su to survive the long haul, it's just about the people and yeah. how they how they pray and then how they think about ministry. So makes total sense that, you know, that's what you're focusing on is building teams, because it's so encouraging when you when you move from a place and it's been some time. But then you get a text um, telling you they're still meeting and praying and wanted your advice mm -hmm. on one little thing. It's like, oh, this is because because for me. Something that I went through, and even going back in the fraternity, I remember being in the in my fraternity and starting our philanthropy and putting in all that time, and then someone mm. come in the next year and change it, or doing something, and then the fruit wouldn't last. And I always was kind of looking for what is the thing that lasts, but it's people, relationships. Those yeah, those things are eternal, right? So mm -hmm. the, the well, and that's you the, have on someone's soul. Yeah, and that's what I started to look at was like. Can I do YouTube videos and all that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, the Lord's allowed me to be able to do those things, but what are my gifts? And when I look back at like my sales career, I had 20 years worth of customers that had been buying me for, you know, buying from me for 20 years. And it wasn't 
you know, I, I lived here in Memphis, which is the headquarters of AutoZone. And mm-hmm. so here I was in another auto parts company's town that had their name on the football stadium and the, the FedEx forum where the Grizzlies play and all that and could give customers tickets and whatever they wanted to. And I didn't have any of that stuff. Yeah. All I had was the fact that I wanted to take care of people and I was empathetic with them. And I knew that like, if I took care of people in the end, I was going to be taken care of. It wasn't my reason for doing it, yeah. but it was just a natural thought process of, of, you know, if we take care of people, you build relationships and people know you actually care about them. Yeah. Then they're going to want to open their hearts to you. They're going to want to, to become family. And that's really what a lot of those customers were like to me. And when the Lord started, you know, kind of making it obvious that ministry was where he wanted me to go, I was so afraid, man. I dropped out of college and all I'd ever done with my life was sell auto parts, whether I was mm-hmm. putting them up on a shelf in a, in a warehouse or selling them to the, you know, end customer. And I was so afraid, but like he started showing me and really going through Paul and looking at Corinthians and the gifts and what gifts do you have? And what do those mean? What's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? What's, you know, what are these different things? And and what do, do I have any of these? And I started looking at like, what am I good at in my life? And what are those gifts yeah. in my life that make me good at them? And then, well, wow, you know, I'm sure God was happy that I provided for my family selling those auto parts, but he also gave me those gifts to tell people about him, you know? It, and so yeah. when I started looking at that, I just was more like, how can I serve you with these things? And that's when I found a joy in my life I'd never had before. And and so that's why this ministry, I mean, look, you've been in ministry, Justin. I mean, you don't get paid a lot. Sometimes you don't know where money's coming from. Yes. You just get up every day and you try to surrender the best you can to the Lord and say, if this is your will today, then then I surrender to it and, and I'll do it today and tomorrow and however yeah. long this is your will. You know, well, and, and so that's kind of the where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you said it, John. I mean, he if you focus on just doing his will and what he wants you to do, he does provide. And I've been in those times where I'm like, you know, another baby's coming. Okay, Lord, (laughs) you're stretching me here. What's going to (laughs) happen? But every time he is more faithful even than I expect him to be faithful. And um, gosh, I'm just so encouraged by what you're doing, John. Um, You know, so I am kind of I do kind of have like a business lens because of my degrees and some time in business. Most of my time post-college has been in ministry at this point, really. But I will tell you from strategic standpoint, here's something I see is it looks like the last 10 to 20 years, the church in our country, maybe globally, has been talking a lot about marriage and family. I really Mm -hmm. think they're going to peel back leadership soon. And Olmstead was maybe one of the first prophets. They're going to peel back one more layer and see, wait, to help the family, I have to help the man. And I, yeah. I'm just, I just really think over the next 10, 20 years, we're going to see more and more and more talk about men's ministry, more, mm-hmm. even from, from bishops, from the USCCB. But we're both blessed to have that group, Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance in common. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh, they have helped me so much. But I really think it's like, the because I was thinking, when I was going into ministry back from business, I'd spent like uh, time in business school, then two years in consulting, corporate consulting. So you just start to think, okay, what's the fastest path to resolve a problem? Sure. And I was getting ready to be leading family evangelization. I was like, okay, what's the fastest way to help a family? Help the man. Help the man. Yeah. Because the man is supposed to be the spiritual leader of the home. But then if you look at all the statistics, hello, it's time and time again. If the dad go, just goes to mass, if the dad just goes to mass and is present mm-hmm. in the kids' lives, I mean, that's like... It's like more than half the battle right there, statistically speaking, even. It's like that simple, you know? Yeah, it is. I mean, you, 
It is. You look at, I mean, look how many families in the United States don't have a father, you know? Yeah. And, and a lot of the, the children that are raised in those environments wind up in jail or other things happening. I mean, it's just when a father's influence isn't there, first of all, in the first place, a lot of people get off track, but especially in the faith, like you're right. I mean, I, that statistic is, you know, I believe when the father uh, is leading the family yeah. spiritually, not just going to mass, but doing yeah. the things that a father should do, it's like 84% of kids stay Catholic. But yeah. if it's just the mom leading, which just isn't a knock on moms and yeah. God bless women because yeah. they've been picking up the slack for us forever yeah. on top of working. Because they'll always step in. Things. That's the thing. If yeah. men aren't doing their job, woman will That's step right. in. But but it it drops to like 17 percent or something when it's the just the women leading. And yeah. and that's the thing is, is the goal is not just to get a man to go to mass. Right? right. I was going to mass when I was Catholic and yeah. doing drugs and everything else, yeah. really just to avoid a fight with my wife. My kids yeah. weren't learning from anything from right. me. They yeah. weren't. There was nothing rubbing off. If anything, they learned mass is boring. I don't want to go. That's true. You know, why do we have to go? The football game's coming on soon. Hurry up and leave. You know, all that kind of stuff. What we're trying to do and, and what you're trying to do in the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance and all these wonderful things for men are trying to get men to realize, like, no, this is your God-given right, right? Yeah. Like, you are my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And when you step into that identity and you really start understanding, man, the Lord has a plan for my life and he's claimed me. And not only me, but he's given me these wonderful people, my wife, my children, to protect, to serve, to love for him and to be the earthly image of him, right? I mean, yeah. how many how many people have a, a disrupted vision of God or, you know, version of God because they had a bad father. It, it, right? it always comes back to that. Well, you talked about the wound, the, the father wound. Mm -hmm. And that's, I thought you might've read Walled at Heart by John Eldridge, which yeah. folks, he's not a Catholic author. He's a Christian. It's a Christian, but it's almost like a classic. You know, every guy should read at one point in their lives, mm -hmm. in my opinion. But he talks about regardless, we are all going to pass on a wound to our children intentionally yeah. or unintentionally. But the best thing we can do is put them in, touch and in harmony with God the Father because he will restore all those wounds. And every yeah. all of us should see God as our primary father, of course, you know, with our earthly father much secondary to that. So Yeah. But everything's back in order though, Justin. When you get that man living the way he is, I mean, for instance, yeah. we started that men's group in my parish at Holy Rosary Memphis. Like I said, walked in a room, shared my heart with a bunch of guys, thought they were all going to leave, was scared to death. Turns out they were broken and messed up too, and they were looking for something other than a men's club doing barbecue and getting drunk at the parish. Like yeah. they wanted more. And, um, you know, when we started that group, there were women coming up to me and the other guy that started it, Jay, my buddy who asked me to start it, and saying, what are y'all doing in there? Like, I don't know what you're doing, but my husband, there's something different. He's behaving differently. He's making different choices. He's wow. wanting to go to church. and. And we're like, look, that's God. Like, we're not that don't you, thank you for saying thank you to me. But God's the one working through all that. But it was not long after that. Our parish, we had a big festival in Memphis, like the second largest festival. We were looked at as sort of like, if you want to go have a good time, that's where you go have a good time. You want to go spiritual. Yeah. But yeah. if you want to have a good time, go there. We yeah. started that men's group. And shortly after that, the women were like, we want something, too. I remember my wife looking at me and she goes, John, like you have friends that are calling you all the time that are asking you to go do things like I don't have that in my life. I want that. And so my introverted wife, um, you know, she started a walking with purpose group. You know, um, now there was a women's guild that had started right before that. There was doing some different things. 
But two women's groups started. My wife's groups, you know, had like 30 women a week meeting at it and mm -hmm. coming to it. We had a non-existent youth group. There was a parish not far away that had an incredible youth minister, and a lot of the kids were going over there. We hired a new youth minister, and then the kids started looking around and going, you know, dad's got his group and his friends, and mom's got his group, her group and her friends, and I want one too. And now we've got a great youth program going. And the church, we got a pastor that's more liturgically focused. And yeah. so, like, all of a sudden, the parish is all just coming alive, together, man. But it started with that men's group and the different pastors we've had. They yeah. all will say that. Like when the men started rising up, things started to change. Oh, I know. It's the quickest path. You know what What I think um, intimidates us about it, though, is, you know, hey, we, we don't know how to attract men. I mean, I will tell you, I will tell you from my experience, men are hard to catch sometimes, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so so like, you know, we would do a men's conference and a women's conference, right? And it felt like it was two or three times as easy to get women to attend the women's conference. Oh, conference. yeah. But you're, you're a fisherman, right? I mean, what, you, you got to go for the big fish, you know? Like, yeah. you got to go for them because if you, that's the prize catch, right? Sure. Well, and we've got it. Look, it, it's, it's, you talked about, you wanted to talk about new things, yeah. right? Well, we're doing some new things, but they're really not new. They're what Jesus did. And, yeah. you know, when we first started that group, and he gathered we men. He, who did yeah. he call for, Who did he call alongside him? The men. ordinary so men. It's right? like, hello. Yeah. We're so genius. No, Jesus was doing yeah. it from That's the very right. beginning. Yeah. That's right. And, and, and so, you know, in the very beginning of our group, we were just kind of showing up and talking about, you know, our, our struggles which was great because we were getting them out there. But at some point it's like the Lord was speaking to me and going, you know, not physically speaking, but I could hear in my prayer that like the men have to become disciples. Like you got to walk towards discipleship. And I'm like, well, how do I do that? I thought we were doing that. And yeah. so in adoration, you know, we met four times a month from seven to eight, 15 for our men's group. And I just was like, Jesus, what would you do? Like, what are four things you did to evangelize? And, you know, he formed, he worshiped, he served and he fellowshiped. And so, yeah. That's what we started doing, and that's what we're teaching around the country is just like we give a structure that's that's a very simple structure, and it speaks to the wholeness of a man. Like a man doesn't just need to form. That's, in fact, why a lot of guys don't want to be in a group because they go, all that is is a Bible study where I sit there and listen to somebody every week, read the Bible. And it's no, they don't, they don't want, want a there. class. They, they want a companionship. They want a right. fellowship. Yeah, they want a journey together, but towards a greater purpose, right? They don't want right. to just sit in the water together. They want sure. to be moving. So, well, it's why, like, when you light, you can have guys standing outside trying to talk to each other, like, hey, man, I'm so and so, and hey, I'm so and so. And it's very awkward. But you light a fire in front of them, a campfire, and oh, they yeah. will both turn to it and look yeah. at it and yeah. be pouring their souls out to each other. Yeah. And so, what we do is fish. You said fish. We fish with four different baits. I mean, there's guys that would never on their first opportunity come into that formation night where guys are maybe getting emotional, sharing their feelings talking seriously about the Lord, but they'll come tonight where you're throwing axes and having a beer. You know, they'll come tonight where you're playing cornhole or you're, you're out for a beer and pizza night. So yep. they'll come there and then they work their way backwards to formation and yep. different people like different things. And so we're, we're just trying to basically go to parishes, man, and say, look, you need, wait, I'll, I'll just give you an example of this. My diocese is the diocese of Memphis. And I had Lucy, a young lady that works with me last week, call around and, and just say, how many, how many parishes do we have and how many men's groups are in them outside of Knights of Columbus? Man, we found there were six that claimed to have men's ministries 
Um, two of them or three of them really were a couple of guys in the morning and it, you know, had fizzled out over the years and, and this is in the whole diocese of Memphis. This is in the diocese of Memphis. And that was including ours. And then the big fishers of men, one that kind of runs the, the conference and everything. So there was less than 14% of our parishes have an active ministry of men, like a spiritual ministry to men, not a men's barbecue club, athletic fundraising thing, but something that's designed to bring men into authentic relationship with each other and with Jesus Christ. And that's one diocese in our country. And so that's why we're my, my goal in my life now is Lord, I will go and give these three talks, my conversion story, a talk on restoring your identity and a relationship with Jesus and how important that is and then train men on the spot in parishes till I die, if you allow it, because I think that's what we need. And, and there are some problems there. Like you mentioned some of them with guys is we want this, but what do guys do? Well, I want to stand up for the Lord and start a group. And then here comes the devil. Oh, what about your porn problem? What about your drinking problem? What if they found out about the way you talk to your wife? What about, what about, what about, what about? And so men, start to believe that their identity is I'm the sum of my shame, not the sum of God's well, love that's for the me. Thing, that's the thing we don't, we, we, I think people know about men, but don't yeah. really just acknowledge it. Yeah. Men um, will cower from these things. They'll, they'll look tough yeah. on the outside, but inside mm-hmm. there's so much negative self-talk. It's the mask thing you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but they probably need that first crazy guy like you to go up there and say, <laughs> yeah, I'm broken too. I've got a bad past. Guess what? Read the Bible. Pretty yeah. much everybody, folks. So join the club. Now let's pursue Christ together and let's get that's right. together. Yeah, it's that that's simple. right. And you'd be yeah. surprised. Like, there's been guys, a lot of the times we go on missions, it's guys that listen to the podcast and their priest will call their pastor and say, Hey, this guy's been listening to you and we want to do a mission and he wants to start a men's group. And I'm not sure if he's the right guy. And I'm like, Oh, it's look. always that's when you know him probably might be yeah. the right guy. I'm not sure. Yeah, if that's, that's the right. right I'm like, that's probably him. Probably but right uh, but no, we just we work with the pastor. We're like, get us three or four guys. And when I go in there, I work with the guys and I spend time with them. And then we don't just leave. Like I, we're redoing our whole website right now to move from hello, my name is John Catholic yeah. speaker and yeah. podcaster to hello, this is just a guy in a pew. Here's the need for men. Here's what we're doing about oh, it. So and here's how we'd like to help. When you is know, that new site going to be out? Well, I'm working on it right now. The marketing company I'm using is is we've given them the language and they're rebuilding it. So I'm hoping in the next month or so. But we really want people okay. when they come to our ministry to see like this is a mission. And even when we're trying to fundraise now, it's like yeah. it's a world different from, hey, I'm a Catholic speaker and whatever you want to call me. Yeah. And I'm out there trying to help people. And will you support my yeah. ministry it's versus yeah. now will you come on mission with me? Right. Like we're going and we're doing this. And the podcast, all those things are means for people to see what we're doing so that yeah. we can go and do that in places versus just some other Catholic noise out there. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's, I really believe there's, there's three problems with the parishes at the level. Father wants a men's group, but he yeah. doesn't have time to do it because yeah. he's doing the million other things that he can't do himself already. Yeah. Then you have the guys that want it, but they feel like I'm not the right guy because of their shame. Uh-huh. And then three, the biggest, the really the biggest catch after those two is I want to do something, but I don't know how. Right. Well, like I have no idea. Yeah. And it's intimidating. Well, I, so I'll tell you what, um, I speak as a guy who was in a situation like that where I had. Mo- so going back to my own story with all this, I had moved to that diocese and new men's ministry mm-hmm. would be a top priority. But didn't really know where to start, but knew I had to focus on people, right? And um, I remember meeting with uh, the guy I spoke about earlier, actually, become a very good friend. 
um, he had had a men's group going. I did a similar thing you did. I, I said, okay, how many do we got? We had about six, same, six going. And then I just pray. I said, God, who, who are the ones? And called together a team and asked the priests for their input on that as well. And mm-hmm. I sat down first meeting with this guy. I said, listen, I don't have all the answers, but we're going to journey in this together. And we did. And Mike Kelly, Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance, really helped out. A book yeah. everyone listening should buy, even if you care about men's ministry or not, is No Man Left Behind, Catholic Edition. It's free from Dynamic Catholic. It's got principles not just for men's ministry, but ministry in general. Yeah. And then we ventured out. You know, we ventured out together. Uh, these these disciples trying their best. But I will tell you, in the span of about two years, saw the number of men's groups double, saw an annual conference get started and grow each year. And now there are men continuing it. And um, just one of the principles I want to highlight, they talk about the three strands of leadership. But one is you need Ideally, an engaged pastor, but at the least a committed pastor who wants to help, Mm -hmm. who's there to support. Um, Second, you need a gifted leader, they say. Now, a gifted leader would have the right charism for leadership. Now, John, in my experience with ministry, I always come back to this acronym from campus ministry. It's called FAT. You want (laughs) someone that's FAT. Now, what do I mean by that? Faithful. available and teachable so faith show up to the meetings they'll (laughs) show up to the trainings available they've got the time and t teachable knowing they're not the pope they're not the magisterium and they're willing to be taught so then the third thing though is a team i've never seen a group really survive and thrive unless you got to have a team of like a few guys so i don't know if you've seen that too in your guys work yeah, it is. I mean, that's, you know, I tried to do it all in the beginning by myself. The other guy that helped me start it kind of faded a little bit and, and wasn't around a lot. And, you know, I, I was speaking and traveling a lot. And so I get home and I'm like, man, in the middle of the week, now I'm gone for an hour, you know, when I'm going on the, some of the weekends. And so I, I very quickly, I felt a lot of the weight of it. And I never wanted the group to be about me or what, how I could speak about the gospel or anything like that. It was always you know, opening up and building that place for men to come and be real and share and all those things. But eventually it just got to the point where I was talking to a, an associate pastor that we had come in and, um, and he came in and, and we were talking about it and he's like, well, you know, you've got your Nick and David and, and Victor and, and some of these guys, why don't we go to dinner with them? And so I did. And I sat him down and I said, look, y'all love this group. I love this group. I need it. You need it, but I need help. Right. And yeah. So when we built these four different nights, you know, one of the guys was like, I love fellowship stuff. I'll run with that. Another one was like, I love the liturgy and worship. I'll coordinate with which priest is doing what on that night, you know, in the months they rotate. Uh, You know, they said, why don't you handle formation and pick the sort of things that you think we need to be looking at? Or or we'll take a poll of what the men are dealing with and find resources to help with that. And then the other guy was like, I love to serve. So I'll call Catholic charities and all these other things and find opportunities for us. And it was such a breath of fresh air because now, you know, we're busier than I've ever been. And so if there's some Wednesday nights I can't be there or my father needs me, it's, he's 80, it's okay. yeah. come it's cut okay. the grass. Yeah, the, these guys are running it. And and yeah. so that's what we teach when we go there is I asked the, the pastor, I said, find me three or four guys that just there have a that's heart it. for this. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Well, mm-hmm. you know, the, the teammate you and I both need to acknowledge is uh, our wives too, right? So, oh, like, yeah. you know, yeah. like having a wife that's supportive of, of you do in ministry, it's like, because it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of a lifestyle choice here. You think about uh, Peter, 
you know, St. Peter and his wife supporting him yeah. too, right? But I mean, sure. the, the thing is, um, bringing it back to Walden Hart, okay, love that book. But he talks about every man has, um, there's three desires in his heart. One is a battle to fight, mm-hmm. an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue, which applies yeah. to the priesthood too, right, for sure. But listen to this. Uh, sure. his, wife, his wife wrote a book um, with him, and um, she, one of the things of a, fem- a woman's heart is an adventure to share. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, and it just kudos to our wives, you know, tomorrow's, uh, as we're recording wedding anniversary for me and my wife, but it's like, oh, congratulations. Would, thank you. It's like, how would we, it would not be possible without them, you know? And, um, you know, I will say one thing that's been really great, uh, in my marriage too, is having my wife be real with me too, about family mm-hmm. needs and discerning things and not just leaping into things. Like it's just me anymore. It's like, um, we have a family. Let's, let's work through these, but sure. thank God, um, because I always think of the uh, the John tens my favorite passage in Scripture, the Good Shepherd. But I always mm. think about the sheep dogs, you know. And I feel like, like maybe God calls like for me and my wife. I feel like we're like sheep dogs, you know. We're we're mm-hmm. there to nip at the heels of sheep. Because one more thing I just want to mention. Um, because earlier you were talking about how you felt called to to minister to, to the men you reach out to. So sure. my background was I I was a Catholic schoolboy that that you know, drifted from the faith. When I got called back, I felt like I want to help people never think about leaving the faith. So for me and my wife, I feel like our call is mostly nipping at Catholics, say, don't sure. go anywhere. Stay here. Stay here. Okay, now focus on why this is so great. Don't go anywhere else. Nobody else leave, please. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's, no, you're you're 100% right. And I mean, I would not be here. You know, when I tell my conversion story, I, I always say in there or finish with, look, there's two heroes to this story and I'm not one of them. One of them is Jesus Christ and one of them is my wife, <laughs> right? I'm just the sap that gets up here to tell it, right? That's and, awesome. And, and, and it is. I mean, my wife, I mean, we wouldn't be able, quite frankly, she works full time at St. Jude's Children's Hospital and because of the benefits and things like that, it allows yeah. me to be in ministry and yeah. her heart has we've, we've become more equally yoked in things. And she's talked about how she wants to be involved in things, but you're exactly right. I mean, we both have a heart for the Lord and a longing and and me being as a convert, man, like walking into the faith. And when I really started that jail experience was the best thing that could ever happen to me because it forced me to really look into the Catholic faith. I had Become Go to Catholic, jail, to marry folks. a beautiful girl. Yeah, that's if right. Wanna, if you want to, I don't recommend it, but St. Paul did it too. All right. Go to jail. You heard Stay it here. Go to jail. That's right. <laughs> but no, like, I, I mean, it really took something like that for me to, to realize what was in front yeah. of me. And once I opened that gift and I saw the truth of everything and, you know, things like confession, you know, as a yeah. Baptist, I rem- always remember thinking, like, well, I said, I'm sorry, but uh, am I really forgiven? And I mean, just the simple things like that. And, Man, it was like walking into Fort Knox, and I just couldn't get enough of it. And yeah, and and my wife and I have just been so blessed to do that. And and one of the things that I think that I think people enjoy about the way that we're ministering is is like you're saying, sheepdog kind of mentality. I really believe right now we're in a period of the church where what people need to hear more than anything is um, there's a God and He loves you, right? The yeah. charisma. Yeah. They need to hear healing. Yeah, and then they need to hear. Um, that a relationship with Jesus is absolutely necessary. Yeah. I think like just from my experience, I know there's, there's all sorts of different ministries and different places where people are. But right now I think that just because I hear it in so many other ministries that I trust, like Marcella June's always preaching that with, there's so many other people that are preaching that. And I don't think it's coincidence. I think the Lord is saying like, these are the things that we need to focus on right now. 
And that relationship with Jesus is is key, man. And and some people hear me say, like, well, you're a former Protestant. Of course, you're going to say a relationship with Jesus. But I'm like, no, like, if, if we're not seeking everything that we do as a Catholic, whether it's saying a rosary, going to mass, work, yep. cleaning the altar, it's everything all about that we're doing relationship with Jesus. is about relationship. And if you don't understand that and you don't have a relationship yep. with Jesus, then you're never going to be successful in evangelization because you're never going to put relationship first. And so many of us, we don't try to earn the right in someone's life to speak to them about the faith. We just kind of want to go up and say, well, aren't you doing the Jesus thing or whatever? And yep. I always tell guys, I'm like, would you go up to a guy and ask him how much money they have their bank in the account? Well, no, that's personal. Yeah. It's none of your business. Yeah. Well, why do we feel so freely to walk up to somebody and just get in their face about, you know, Jesus and all that without actually taking the time to get to know them? And, and so when we do that, I, I don't think we do that well as a faith. You know, when I came in RCIA, yeah. my RCIA was not very good. Yeah, It just, it, God bless the man who led yeah. it. He was trying his best, but yeah. There was no introduction to Jesus. There was no relationship with Jesus. It was a list yeah. of, all right, here's what we believe as Catholics. Yeah. And if you're into that, then show tick, up the tick, next, tick, 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 yeah, show yep. up the next eight months of Tuesdays and then you'll have a beautiful candlelight hey. visual. And then nobody told me you'll go to church the next Sunday and no one will ever talk to you again. Yeah, brother. Well, you know, we've been used to that classroom model in America, you know, yeah. and, uh, but like you said, thankfully, and from bishops and clergy as well, like yeah. that. That whole mentality is is changing because I saw I yeah. wish I had it to put on the screen right now. But anyway, there's a great meme and it had um, it had Jesus like the disciples are all at school desks and mm -hmm. he's like teaching the, the disciples like out in a field somewhere. Right. Yeah. And he's like, Jesus didn't evangelize this way. Why should we? You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it's you know, it's it just you wonder why are so many people leaving the faith? Why is it so easy for them? It's like, well, if I didn't fall in love. Yeah, well, that's right. Why would I fall in love with an organization if I didn't fall in love with the person who founded it? And like to your point of Jesus, he didn't walk up to Matthew and say, hey, Matthew, here's these 617 Levitical laws. Yeah. If you're into it, after you read all well, these, come find me. <laughs> the other wild thing about it, too, though, is like um, when we are baptized into, into the church, we're baptized into his body. So if we're building relationship with the people and we're yoked to Christ in a state of grace— Mm -hmm. Dare I say, they're building relationship with Christ through us. We're part of his body, right. the church. You're building so, up the body. So yeah. it's not like relationship is watering down the faith. Relationship is the faith lived out. We're a community in communion with yeah. our Lord, you know, through communion, you know, journeying together toward heaven, which ultimately will be communion eternal. So it's just, sure. yeah. Relationship. I think you make back, a good it's back point to there. basics, right? It's back to yeah. basics. I think people get confused when they hear you say that because their mind immediately goes to, you know, that's a Protestant phrase. And what they see in their mind is like some yeah. me and Jesus at my house, not going to church. And, you know, it's we've got this me and Jesus thing. And that's not what we mean as Catholics. I mean, it's really about you need a personal relationship with Jesus so you can come to know him, yeah. know what he's about, know what he loves, know what he wants from you. And then you can go out and live that and then introduce him to other people. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I use this example a lot when I'm speaking is is just like if I went up to you and I told you about a guy named David, that's my friend and he's a nice guy and, you know, he's fun to be around and you should really get to know him. You should take time to go eat lunch with him. It doesn't really sound like you were going to want to spend time of your day, you know, yeah. going to have lunch with David. Yeah. But if I sit there and I, and I start to tell you about, you know, I met this guy named David and he came into my life out of nowhere and he was just like no other person I ever met in my life. And <laughs> yeah. this guy is like he's shown up at two in the morning when I had a flat tire and nobody yeah. else would answer the phone. He's, he's watched my kids when my Save wife and I got marriage. a Mars mix. 
Yeah, he's Favorite doing guy. all this stuff. Yeah, Help and me you find start, my passion in life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you start speaking about that, and people are like, Well, yeah, I want to meet that guy. He Where's David? Awesome. Where we got right. his number? Yeah. That's right. Well, that's that's why we a lot of times are unsuccessful in our evangelization efforts, is because we simply don't know Jesus and we're talking to people about factual how, Jesus, how, right? How, how scary is that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, it happens, to, it it happens to us. Hey, it happens to us out there in ministry too, brother. It does. Checking it on does. The, prayer, the prayer life, the sacramental life. Hey, yep. the truth's the truth's gonna come out, you know. So we just gotta be yeah. walking the walk while we're talking the talk. Your right? work is not your prayer. Somebody yeah. told me that once. Your work is not your prayer. And I was like, yeah. Yes, sir, Father. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Well, John, John, we could talk probably for another three hours, but yeah, I wanna I wanna uh probably try to cut us off here because our folks too listening have other great podcasts to listen to, such as yours. So sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so really the best way to connect with you and, and your team you've got that you're building is your website, right? Just the guy in the pew.com. Yep. That's the best place. If you're wanting to book us for a mission or to do something in men's ministry, there's an events page up there and right in the middle of it is, uh, about starting men's group. You can click that, fill out the form. If you want to listen to the podcast, you can do it on the website or it's available on, you know, uh, Apple and Stitcher and Spotify and all those other things. And then we have a YouTube channel. Uh, that we really have just started doing stuff with. Um, that's you, you can search just down the pew, and you'll be able to hear interviews with people like Peter Craft and stuff like that we've done with. That's and awesome. then the episodes with me and my buddy Victor from a men's group. Uh, we're usually the two on the show when we're not interviewing somebody. That's awesome. So, folks, check out the website justaguyinthepew.com. You can find everything else and get in touch with John. But also, we got to shout out our buddies at the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance, CatholicMenLeaders.org, CatholicMenLeaders.org. This is the growing movement of men's ministry in the church. But, John, they must love you because you're doing exactly what they're hoping would happen. You're helping get the men's group started. Robert Tunmires would be so happy right now. Um, Well, hopefully we could. I've been looking and praying for ways that that, uh, we could be of more help. I could be more of help to them um, because we are. We have the same heart and the same desire. And, um, you know, who knows? The Lord brings things together. Oh, all something's going to so. be, oh, oh, something's coming. You know, something's going to happen there. Yeah, I would love to. Even, <laughs> even being at the summit last year, comparing it to the summit this past year. So, so for folks listening, Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance hosts an annual leadership summit and just the difference in growth of the organization, not, not even mm-hmm. numbers. What I'm, talk- what I'm talking about is like st- structure and like yeah. sustainability and strength. Leaders and yeah. these, they had coaches now. They're, the spirit is at work building it. There's going to be like, I feel like just like a, a little avalanche here of met Catholic men starting to mm-hmm. percolate here. People be like, where's this coming from? It's like, well, it's been building for a while. You know, nobody. Yeah, knows. sure. But I feel like I'm walking into it now and it's been going on much before. You know, yeah, it's it's, it's about building. three years. Yeah, it's been three years since they've had the summits, and I was one of the first. I was at the first one. Um, some guys here in Memphis invited me to go, and so if you were to go back and look at the charter member stuff, yeah. we, the three of us were on that. And you're right. In the beginning, it was just sort of like, "What are we doing? What is it going to look like?" We're trying to mirror the deanery, you know, uh, process of of you know the way the dioceses are laid out and things like that. But you're right. I was really impressed this year when I went. It wasn't. In the past, it was more like having speakers and, yeah. you know, people talking about programs that could help. But this year it was really about, you know, boots on the ground sort of things that men need to know. And, and that's really what ministry needs right now is how to more than more content and all that kind of stuff. That's right. The stuff you've been talking about, leadership development, but then also even that group knowing the roots back to Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic yeah. Men in Austin. So 
God has been at work. So I, there's one thing we have to do before we end. We do like doing a lightning round with our guests. I'm just going to ask some okay. quick questions. You're, unpre- okay. you're unprepared for this. So, sure. <laughs> so, um, boom. What does every Protestant need to know about Catholicism? It's the truth. What's the best thing about being Catholic? The Eucharist. The weirdest thing about being Catholic? Mm, plenary indulgences, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have to think about that a little longer. I think it's something even like maybe our obsession with death or something. Or yeah, like, that, yeah, that's a good you know, one. But uh, yeah. indulgences, yeah, I was like, indulgence. Yeah, I get it. And it's like, like, I don't think I really get it yet. Yeah, That's right. Um, Catholic guilt could be another one, maybe. There you go. Know. There you go. That's kind of the best thing, too, though. Where would we be yeah. without Catholic guilt? Um, that's right. Was that covered in your RCIA class, Catholic <laughs> no, guilt? That wasn't no. on there? I don't think they could put a name to it. Yeah. Favorite beer? Tiny Bomb, made here locally. It's a Pilsner made with honey, and it's made a local brewery here in Memphis. Favorite fish? I know your fish. I don't. I know fish, obviously. So I'm asking favorite fish. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Favorite fish to eat is probably crappie or catfish. To catch is bass. Nice. Favorite place to fish? Uh, Enid Lake in North Mississippi. Favorite person to fish with? My son, Jacob. Beautiful. And if you weren't in ministry, what would you be doing right now? What do you think? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I'd probably be selling auto parts still to people right. and, and doing that, right? It's hard to get out of something you've been doing all your life. So I imagine I'd still be selling auto parts and doing my best to make company numbers and make people's businesses better. And now you're selling Jesus, right? That's what yeah. uh, all of us in evangelization, basically, that's what we do nowadays, sell yep. Jesus. That's right. Well, thank you, John. Thank you for all you're doing. You're such an encouragement. Yeah. I pray that uh, this this interview might help multiply your efforts. And thank um, you. If you don't mind, would you mind closing us with a prayer? Sure, I'd love to. And thank you for having me, Justin. Too, by the way, thank you. All right, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for the many blessings you give us in our life, uh, Lord. We thank you for these ministries that you've involved us in, and you've you know, given us to care for, to be stewards of. Lord, help us to remember always that you love us and that we're not the shame that, that the devil tries to convince us that we are and and the mistakes and all those things that we've made in our past. Don't let them define us, Lord. But let us always remember um, your love for us and that, you, that we're worthy because you say we are and that you have a purpose for our life. So, Father, I just ask you to bless our families, to bless all the people listening to this and for our blessed mother to place a hedge of protection around everybody listening and our ministries and everything. Take our intentions, the ones in our hearts, the silent ones to your son. And just we invoke St. Joseph here just to protect us and be the terror of demons in our lives. We give this all to you, Father, in your most holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Joseph, pray pray for for us. us. That's right. It's my Protestant Catholic prayer there. There you <laughs> go. Hey, I like it when St. Joseph, pray for us. Yeah, we don't do that. I like that. That's right. <laughs> Thanks. All man. right, my brother. Thanks for having me.